0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Like Dragon Like Sun. My name is Jack Oatway. And I am Jay Oatway. And today, we are talking. Well, we always talk about D&D, but today we are talking specifically about something that sets it apart from perhaps other settings. And not to say this is specific to D&D, but to fantasy in general, and that is magic. Yes, we're talking magic. Welcome to our father-son
1: podcast, uh, where we dig into the deeper details of how to get the most out of your role-playing experience. And if you've been playing you know, tabletop games for a while, maybe uh, especially if you've been playing D&D 5th edition for a while, you might be getting to that point where you're sort of feeling like, you know what? Spells bore the hell out of me now. Mm. I know what they are. I know every time somebody casts one. Sure, there's a few exceptions where you're like, whoa, what was that that you just cast? But typically, we're not playing of levels or things high enough all the time where you get to see the you know the seldom cast spells. You see the first and second and third level ones again and again and again
0: and again. And or you see the same two to three, ye- maybe five or six. Well, this is just
1: it. Because let's face it, first there if you were to do like one of those ranking things in terms of what are really good spells versus what are like kind of eh, mm. there is a heck of a lot more meh than there is good. And and people just if they want to optimize their spellcaster,
0: they pick the good ones. It's true. And and I'll watch sometimes you know a show where they have magic and whether it's used for battle or used for you know solving problems or whatever magic is used for in that setting um, my friends always turn to me and they go why can't I do this in D&D I want to be able to do this in D&D exactly. and, and
1: the, the, here's the great secret folks is you can do whatever you want in D&D mm-hmm. um, worst kept secret of all time but you are not bound by the rules as written what, you, really, they what shouldn't you need is to bind you. Yeah, I mean what you need is a system of magic that's agreed upon ahead of time so that it doesn't spiral out of control and you know completely derail stories and make non-spellcasting I give players, all players feel players crap. As many
0: and... wishes as they want. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um you know the truth is that nothing really ever breaks the game cuz if you if you give somebody a wish that they at a low level they don't really need and they decide to do something you can still play off of whatever that is so i mean i the truth is when you really stop and think about go you know, oh what happens if magic gets too powerful i don't know we we make that part of the story we make that we work that in somehow like i i think we will over worry sometimes about things becoming overpowered um I think the, the bigger concern, of course, is watching out for the feelings of pl- non-magic casting players at the table who, if they suddenly think that, you know, the wizard at the table is disproportionately powerful and sort of stealing all the, the glory and fun of, at the table and they're just like kind of sitting there like lumps on a log, not doing anything, then yeah, okay, you've got a problem at your table for sure. Um, but what if you had
0: a table full of all spellcasters? Mm. That could sound very chaotic or quite interesting. I mean, you think about how some settings kind of want everyone to be casters, something like a Strixhaven or a Magical School, if you've run a system like that. Mm. Odds are that almost every player at the table is going to be slinging some kind of spell, or if they're not, they're making a very intentional choice not to. right? And and so sometimes we try to balance parties by making sure we have a spellcaster, a healer, a fighter, a uh, half caster, someone you who know, can do druidic magic. But, but like putting all that aside for a second to say, right.
1: okay, let's let's assume we're in a magic heavy world, right, where we can do crazy cool magic things, and maybe everybody gets a taste, a little taste of magic. We uh, we had a letter from a fan of the other day who mentioned he was going to have a campaign where everybody began as a sorcerer. And then they sort of multi-classed from there out. Mm. Um, and you and I then talked a little bit afterwards of what what if, you know, what if it wasn't even so much a class, but it was just, you know, basic feature of every character build in a world was everybody gets a little innate magic. Yeah. Just, you know, that's part of the world. Everybody's got a little thing they can do.
0: Huh. Or you, again, it's a side thing on every character sheet is you've got your whatever class you're playing level, and then you've got your sorcerer levels, which don't count towards the 20 cap or towards your proficiency yeah, yeah. bonus or towards anything. Yeah. It's just whenever you level up, you choose to hmm, do I increase my sorcery stuff and maybe get some meta magic going and maybe get some higher level magic and spells and whatnot? Or do I focus on my paladin stuff or go crazy with it level up both at the same time yeah then you're super powerful <laughs> but cool. again super powerful it is is really meaningless
1: in D because mm. what it means is that your characters learn to do a whole lot of more things right and it looks cooler and it can be narratively cooler and you can talk about character development and stuff and then if you're worried about they're like something like ooh, you know if you look on the really mechanical meta side like look at all the damage i can do frankly none of that matters because the monsters hit points have scaled up as well so it still on average takes about the same number of hits every turn for everybody to finish a fight so um you know the idea that that it's you know these things are going to get wildly out of control doesn't really matter because everything everything can scale everything can like balance out
0: but there comes a point you know where let's say someone is doing an immense amount of damage and you want to scale it so that it balances and then no one else is being able to output that much damage. And so yeah. now every monster is an unkillable machine except for the one person whose job is to kill things.
1: Sure. And this, again, what I was saying, like you've you got to look a little bit at the balance at your table. Does the fighter with his sword stand any chance of doing anything in the game? Are they going to feel frustrated and upset? Is there some way that you fix that?
0: I mean... I've seen people create a, you know, D&D spell system is just a lexicon of essentially, a, it's like a dictionary of words that have meanings. And those meanings are spell effects, which all, right. all have so yeah, whatever, things like let's that. Let's get right? into like... And so, well, well, but okay. my point is, is that I've seen people try and do the same thing for martial classes. Okay, They've yeah. tried to make a whole list of features that feel like spells that martial classes can learn, much like all... Spellcasters share from the same pool, or at least little sections or worlds of this pool um, of spells.
1: Yeah, I, I think what Five E has tried to do, what D and D always tried to do, what most game systems try to do, is make sure that as everybody goes up in level, everybody gains roughly about the same amount of damage output on average per round. And I have seen I've seen YouTube videos where people have like actually broken this down and mapped it out. And the average works out more or less the same. You've done a bit of studies on this as well. Some, some outperform a little bit more than others do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to sort of, you know, generally look at it, it's, it should be, a, and I think the reason it should be equal is so that everybody can have fun. So if you're going to mess with, do, follow our advice today and mess with the magic system to make it more interesting, if interesting also equals powerful, you just have to keep that in mind in terms of overall balance of other classes, monsters, etc., to make sure that as you've made it more interesting, you haven't, you know, in some way infringed upon the, f- the fun of other people at the table.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about some ways to make magic more interesting. Right. There's a lot out there. I mean, we have an episode a ways back on... We talk about sorcerers, um, sorcery points. Uh, yeah. We talk about using uh, using the point system for magic. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to just be for sorcerers. We talked about it in that context for them, mixing sorcery points and spell points kind of together, making them concasters, just doing a bunch of things that just would make them way more interesting and fun. You could do something good. as simple as that. Sure. Um, you could make point system for everybody as well. Mm-hmm. Uh or you could you could start doing you know other simple things that start to break the rules a little bit. Um, you and I have talked about what if we had upcasting for a lot of spells that never had upcasting before. Mm. And we we were just driving around. Uh, we were on a bit of a road trip, and we were Pitching just like passing time. Right. And we were just essentially going through the spellbook almost like in alphabetical order, and then just brainstorming. Well, what would happen if you let a player spend another spell slot on that or a spell slot higher or something. What would, what would the obvious sort of effects change be? And, and suddenly then magic gets really interesting, like more fun. So like for a, a spell, like say like a first level spell like alarm Mm-hmm. which, you know, is is a ritual. Most people don't sure. even waste a spell slot on it. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, means that you have a slightly safer night's sleep, you know, or a, a chance of you being stabbed to death and killed in your sleep is reduced. Sure. Um, a, lot people, lot of, yeah, a lot of people use it, but the most common. Yeah, a lot of people use but this is just it. Well, what if instead, what if I could upcast it and start increasing its effects of what it might be able to do in terms of setting off alarms or from distances of greater or... Um, and, and just sort of playing around with the idea of you know right now it would give you a mental alarm that pings in your mind if you're within one mile of the warded area what if if you upcast it that mental alarm could ping in the f- mind of four of your friends as well uh, you know or what if you for extra, an extra spell slot could one mile yeah, I know one mile so pretty far away already. You're right. I know it's crazy. Um,
0: what is this, is this? An old print of the player's handbook? Because well, everything would be setting off the thing. Then it's like no, you of could be in one you line. could
1: be within one mile. It, you have to be within. Oh, one I see. Mile. You have to. I thought the warded so. the warded area is <laughs> yeah. only a twenty foot cube. Right. That's important to, to clarify. Right. But again, what if you upcast it? Could you make it a forty foot cube for yeah. a second level spell slot? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Now this stuff's not in the player handbook, but this stuff should be negotiable. Like, I think everything, all these things are in the spell book like this. If the player, or the player comes up with a crazier idea for how to use a spell in a unique, weird way. Like
0: Druidcraft is an example of this. It's used all the time to do things that, it's not in the player's handbook or any book on how, you know, exactly what it can do. But, I mean, well, there's kind of exactly what it does. But there's a lot of unspoken things that can be assumed or can be maybe imagined right and we then return to this idea i think constantly of why do we have magic it's because we want to be able to do fantastical things that are you know almost like from the top of the head you know we want to we we have this character fantasy of being able to shoot flames from our fingertips it's just the term firebolt or fireball or wall of fire or burning hands or scorching ray or whatever spell you pick that gives it a mechanical grounding, right? But if we don't exist in such a rules-heavy kind of game where we've got hundreds of pages on all the metadata and, you know, damage dice and ranges and whatever, what, and if these, we, if and we this break data, it And this then,
1: data often is very limiting to us. It tells us what we cannot do more well, often than it tells us what we can.
0: It, it's, it tells you what you can do, and then you're forced to assume that everything else is off the books, right? Right? Because it's not on the books, <laughs> yeah. um, which leaded led my players, I think, to, to sort of assume that a lot of these other ideas, like scenes in movies or in whatever, where they see people being super creative with the way in which magic is flung around, and um, they thought, well, why? Well, what spell is this? You know? And I go, well, in truth. This is not really how spells work in d and I mean, it's the same idea as you're doing some sort of magical effect to harm or to protect or do something or other, achieve some aim, right? But this is more a system of creatively describing things on the fly, right? Um, it, it's entirely flavor-based because there needs to be no rules necessarily in the sense of how many damage dice is Cypher bel Nata is doing to the vampire in dracula's castle who cares right it's visually interesting to look at that's the that's the point of magic right yeah. in that in that it's it's this spectacular thing that you can witness and you have to have an imagination and a creative you know descriptive ability which again not everyone is so good at and so we can't really blame people when you know we need maybe a system of of Suggestions, which is kind of what the spellbook and all the different descriptions are, and in these the flavor text is often quite lacking, and sometimes we even disagree with the way that certain rules are held. Like maybe Moonbeam, you think should do damage when it first lands on someone. How are you covered in showering holy burning light but and only hurts on the side of your turn? Yeah, exactly. Fireball doesn't damage you. At the start of your turn there's you know? all
1: these little inconsistency ways that mechanics of well this works like this and what works like that and you're just like okay mm. um yeah you know the uh again i feel like like the the quickest and easiest way to solve any of these problems as they come up or not even problems but any of these like oh i'd like it to work like x uh as a DM, it pl- say yes and, mm-hmm. the and of course is it costs you. You know a, a bit more magic to do it.
0: Yeah, that's what I do all the time. I have a and stress mechanic in my game.
1: I tack on a little bit of stress. Sure. Well, and if you don't have stress, uh, exhaustion's a thing too.
0: Mm, exhaustion's very extreme. Okay.
1: New old system five e exhaustion, pretty extreme, pretty fast. What about new exhaustion? The one that was play tested with you know ten levels. Every time you go up in level, you basically take a penalty uh, of, of minus one to any d20
0: test yeah and um, then how many how long does it take to get rid of that does it take a long run to get rid of a little exhaustion sure I don't know I th- again I think exhaustion I, is an excellent you know cost but it's a big cost because of how long it takes to recover sure. and how much it can and debuff I mean I run exhaustion like pe- you know stacking penalties up to 6 level in which point you don't die you just fall unconscious until you have less than six levels yeah um
1: and i i I like that idea as well um where i mean like going to all the way to 10 but again maybe around seven eight nine you start losing speed and
0: falling once uh, you're at eight levels of exhaustion you are not succeeding almost anything unless you're proficient in it
1: um imagine it like being awake for like three or four days or something where you're just like a delirious wreck i think a a minus five
0: is pretty huge
1: um but it's the idea that you know even if you didn't have a spell slot as a especially as an, an innate caster or somebody like just mm-hmm. sure. pure will to like force out one more spell but yeah boom like now you've been hit by a couple levels of exhaustion I'm like those are the things that make the storytelling like interesting right success with cost mm-hmm. um, and you're right exhaustion could be a big cost but you know if that's a clutch move in the game who cares right like you know the the exhaustion is a minor uh, cost when saving the the world yeah you know
0: i think i mean again the costs of magic the magic itself what this looks like in the system you try and use to use it because this the idea that we have this big dictionary of spells is only one way of doing it yeah and it's a very tedious process to try and filter sure. through everything and learn all the spells there's no way you it, can it, well i mean if you most play a caster, we mostly are confronted the lower level with the ones. fact mm-hmm. that a martial, you get a great sword. There's not a whole compendium. There's not 15 pages on great sword attacks. You well, made. you
1: could. I mean, I know people who love that sort of grit, and, and people
0: would. who apply the spell system to martial stuff, like I mentioned earlier, which again I think is very cool. And martial superiority is not terribly unlike that. No, it gets crunchy, but that's cool. It's okay, and that's one way of doing it. The other direction, abandon the idea that you need 50, 60, 70 pages with the write up on every single spell in your system. Exactly um it's like trying to make a whole language you know for it's trying to make a conlang you know you're trying to invent the words and well, necessarily the grammar i mean i think i'm using this metaphor extended metaphor across a lot of my thinking about magic now which is that it is kind of like a language right yeah um there is the syntax of how you put it together uh and there is the actual words themselves right um and now th- this is kind of an understandable metaphor i think because sometimes we have to do speak magic aloud um I think especially, though, this kind of thing... If you're familiar with D&D, this is kind of maybe a little unorthodox. Um, there's a system... An older system called Ars Magica.
1: Yeah, yeah, I came across that.
0: Uh, and the way it works is... Old, I think you don't even play a single character necessarily. You can play... Um, it's sort of like cabals of wizards, and you've got general servants and henchmen over hundreds of you yeah. know years, right? I mean,
1: Ar- Ars Magica, it yeah, it definitely looks like... Um... If, I mean, primarily magic-driven sort of system. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's
0: also set in the real world. I yeah. mean, older, obviously, again, in the past, but it's not and in it, a but It earth looks It looks set. like
1: the very first one that introduces the the verb-noun system.
0: But it's quite a compelling system. Uh, and do you want to explain a little it, bit about how well, this works? Well, here's how I understand Ars Magica's system, is there is, you know, words like create or, you know, transform or... Um, Things like destroy, or there's like perceive and control, uh, and these have kind of Latin inspired words like creo, or you know, perdo, or you know, um, God, so, you know, like muto, and what vigilo, or you know, something, stuff like that, right? Stuff you can kind of imagine that's kind of got some English roots, some Latin roots, if you've ever been familiar with that kind of thing. But the idea is then you put them together with, you know, this verb that you do this creation of fire this creation of you know or this manipulation of thoughts or beliefs or whatever right and so a player theoretically would have these various you know words very simple generic concepts which they string together to create a spell effect right as an individual maybe you want to cast let's go return to the shooting fire from my fingertips example sort of thing right maybe there's a word that indicates that it's coming from me right something like that that it's it's close up and personal right Or then maybe it comes out in a cone or in a spray right there's some sort of descriptor word that describes that um then i want to make fire so i need obviously fire involved in this somehow uh and then that's a pretty very simple concept i think most magic systems you'll see some kind of fire magic um, pyrokinesis very popular and then do you describe this as creation do you describe this as you know maybe transforming you know I don't know sparking stuff in the air that you know ignites and releases his flame or I mean there's all sorts of ways you could describe it but creation perhaps is the most apt right so you create the spray of fire that comes from your fingertips and we've essentially now just built our own burning hands at home right sure except this was the simple example you can take this in a lot of different directions and especially once we get to things that are more than just fire but space or time or mind or you know animals body you know other concepts that are maybe slightly more abstract Um, I've seen things like you know entropy or chaos or whatnot and suddenly what kind of magic do you have at your disposal right so ours magica goes back to like 1987
1: Uh, Jonathan Tweet and Mark Rainhagen Uh, developed it it sits in mythic Europe sort of like a high middle ages sort of thing Mm -hmm. Um, and the words "ars magica basically means you know arts of magic Uh, and they have this idea of 15 arts which were divided into five techniques and ten forms Mm -hmm. the which is sometimes called the verb noun system and you did a good job sort of describing it the technique is the verb right what effect the magic has and the form is the noun the entity object or substance that's affected or brought forth um, and so then they have, for example, each of these um, techniques is named by a first person singular, present tense, indicative Latin verb. So they use things like Creo, which is I create. Yes. And that brings objects uh, and substances into existence from nothing. In, in telego, uh, detects, reveals, enhances, uh, targets natural senses or conveys supernatural ones. And if you didn't like these words, I was thinking the other day, we were talking about this, like, you could literally come up with your own abracadabra words, or just use plain English, or whatever language you prefer to use, um, mm-hmm. like, this could be as abstracted into magic, or as rooted in, you know, simple reality as you want, mm-hmm. um,
0: I mean, there are kind of, you see D&D spells like this, if you think it sounds weird to say, create water, yeah, well... I'm sorry, but there is literally a D&D spell called create food and water, or create or destroy water. I know, so, I and, mean, these and, and these things have
1: got verbal components, and when I was a kid, um, my neighbors who were like, introduced me to D&D, they were like older kids, um, they in, in their player's handbook of the day had written, and I wish I'd, I had a copy of it, they had written like verbal words like they'd made up nonsense magical words That's and written them in their player's handbook for each of the spells That's cool. um and I, I to this day i've always sort of felt like god there should be a supplement for this somebody should do this just like there should funny, be what and we even words or even why as an alternate thing like just you know in something like D and D beyond if, like do you want the magic words for this we'll click on the little v and boom we'll give you You know, or it also like the somatic components where you gotta move your hands around. Like surely from all the the Doctor Strange and you know, Marvel movies of things with like spellcasters using their hands, there must be like there must be some sort of like or even sign language thing, there must be a way to like set your hands or do stuff. Again, these are I'm throwing these things out here just in the interest of how do you make your magic system more interesting? How do you be more, if you are a player of, that's really getting bored of your wizards, how do you want to up your like, game at the table? Like, Bring some magic words and some hand gestures to it. It may confuse the hell out of your DM. I mean, the other thing about magic the way it is now is that a lot of DMs don't have time to figure out a whole new magic system so they just especially wanna, things like summoning they just like they just want to hear you say burning hands and they just want to know whether do i need to, does the monster need to make a save or are you going to roll to, to, to hit it, yeah you know and as a dm it's really hard to remember all of the spells all of the
0: time and hmm. so if you're playing a caster you know maybe be a little bit responsible for understanding that which well, can make especially in a system where there is a huge dictionary whatever of all the different spells it can be a little daunting to sure. have that responsibility of choosing and remembering what they all do if you're new to the game.
1: Right and, and you and I have played casters where in our games we've rebranded the spells that we've used. And sure, we sound cool games. when we say when we're casting them. And then there's this little like raised eyebrow from like the DM or something across the table. And you have to sort of like, almost whisper to them, I'm actually just casting invisibility
0: or whatever. Mm. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I my cast you know whatever pen dragons hidden body you know and everyone goes what 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 was that yeah. especially if you give it like a name like someone's this yeah, yeah. that everyone goes wow oh, what's that spell i have never heard of that one just, i mean maybe you talk to the dm in private well this or is something. it and
1: when know. this we had an episode last uh week about how do you get players more involved if your players are so involved that they're renaming spells get off your butt dms and take your the, the list of all the sp- spell names that your players come up with and commit them to memory as to what spells they're casting or what the effects or are if,
0: if you're not sure then ask them for a list of essentially what they all are and what ask they're them to describe is. what
1: they do yeah. um
0: you know trust in this well make, that, yeah make every spell at least the first time it comes out i think a lot of dms do this the first time someone casts something new you go oh okay describe what this looks like as you cast this every time i play a new campaign with casters i always have each of the casters describe what it looks like when they cast a spell right yeah. and sometimes there's a general you know a spooky necromancer gothic will have a very different feeling of how they cast spells from you know the fairy druid pixie style sort of you know whatever right i'm i'm spitballing here but even there, like in domains in certain settings magic looks different i mean you are you aware of i'm sure you know all about this in Strod. Magic looks different than sure. it does in other settings, and
1: I and that was always so much fun for you know experienced players who knew their spells, what they would look like normally, mm. and then to just and there's actually there's supplements to help you out with, galore with this, but you can also make up your own stuff. Just suddenly the effects are like way creepier and weirder, like Which first time. Example, well, Mage Hand, mm-hmm. right? You throw out your normal little spectral hand, and suddenly this bony skeletal hand or this rotting zombie hand comes out where it starts sort of like rotting zombie and the longer they're in uh you know mm. barovia the more skeletal and you know it becomes like the flesh is falling off of it sort of thing and just stuff like that where they're just like where they can sort of see the passage of time they can sense that the longer they're there the worse things are getting and you know the more they're being drawn into the dread um and that was just yeah i mean the, the actual effect of spell goes unchanged but it looks different and this is part of what storytelling through spells is about is, but what does it look like as your, as your character has gained in more power? Like there's a ton of spells that say, well, when you reach fifth level, it now does 2d6, right? It should look different then as well, right? It should, you know, the way you're casting should be more intimidating and scary to people or whatever. Um, you know, find a way to sort of make that part of the world that you're in, that the caster's growth has um, been noted and noticed um, mm-hmm.
0: by people. I think that's a cool. Um, I mean, it's, again, a way to make magic more than just an expectation that we're using the basics, right, if we're getting bored of it. But, hey, making a bit of an effort to make it feel different, even if really we're changing nothing behind the scenes. And that's the first level, right, is you change the face but not the right the – you change the facade but keep the – but, machines the same
1: but you, you, you're going back to what you're saying about you know how you take a system like this where you're suddenly like okay i create fire with my hands okay we'll,
0: we'll go to mars magica sure
1: goes back to this well it's actually you know it's not that crazy of a leap as well and you look at D and you're like okay so burning hands first level spell slot mm-hmm. right i upcast that to fourth level and the fire that comes out of my hands I now can pour it into a shape of a wall mm. that stays around me.
0: Sure. Wall and of fire.
1: Exactly. There's my wall of fire spells right there, and actually it's the same spell slot expenditure. It's, But now I'm thinking about them on a continuum. Now I'm thinking about them as a spellcaster who doesn't just pull spells from a book, but rather understands a school of magic and how it works to amplify and control and shape and move this stuff around and do stuff with it that I draw from the weave and I, you know, and yeah, there is a casting that comes with it. I'm not like a sorcerer at work, maybe slightly differently where a warlock or where a cleric, wherever I draw my power um, comes maybe from it's, you know, but it, it can apply to all these people at the same time, all these different characters would work the same. Um, well, maybe not warlocks. You can't really, you don't have another, you don't have higher level spell slots to burn, but...
0: Uh, well, everything's the highest level spell yeah, slot, Yeah, it's, it's moving whatever. the way right. it is, so... I don't know, like... Or your burning hands is now always treated as a wall of fire. Yeah, Who cares, right? exactly. It's that, always treated as its highest possible thing.
1: That you, you could do more things with it now. Or, or or that you could do anything lesser with it if you wanted as well. Mm-hmm. Instead of always having to pull up the wall of fire with it. Um, again,
0: fourth level wall of fire, that's one example of what you did with your, you know, burning hands, right? Or your generic fire spell, right? Like, yeah. let's say, again... Think of your fire magic as your greatsword, right? And there are a million different ways you can describe your greatsword swinging, right, and and doing what it does, which is burn things or keep people away because they're afraid of being burned by things. And the amount of burn it does can be, you know, a table, maybe a first-level spell. How much does Burning Hands do? What, 3d8 damage, 3d6? I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've played a caster. Um, I believe it's 3D8. But let's say it's, you know, we use a simple D6 system and we go something like 4D6, right? And then maybe the next level is, you know, 5D6 and then Fireball is 8D6. But that's a pretty powerful example. But it is multiple targets. So, I don't know. Maybe we go in increments of 2D6. Whatever, right? Like, I don't know. I try and, I mean, if you want to move away. And inc- yeah, Burning Hand is 3D6. If it's you're of our well, mindset well and, or maybe done. just mindset. 3D6 or 3 d Yeah, 3D6. 3D6. There we go. And let's say you're you're getting a little tired of how maybe stale magic can feel from time to time, and maybe that you've seen every spell there is in the book, and now nothing that that wonder that maybe we like to imagine with magic, the idea that someone pulls something out for the perfect situation, and these wizards of who are masterful, or these sorcerers who are powerful, or these witches who are you know clever, or whatever it is, right? Um, that use magic to any end, really. It is this maybe limited in power and limited in the amount you can use it but it is something that is far grander than a sword slash or maybe it accompanies a sword slash just this thundering wave that comes out from the great sword as you slam it whatever right i mean you understand and i'm sure if you're listening you can picture magic and it's cool we like yeah. it because it's cool but once you know all the spells and once you kind of have seen behind the facade at how some spells are better than others it's just the truth Some you'll get more bang for your buck more often, and some are highly specific. And the fact that you can only know so many spells means that you probably want to pick the ones that are going to give you more mileage than others, right? Or there's a character build, and maybe there's some spells you really want. Maybe you do terribly, terribly need encode thoughts or true strike, uh, despite those spells being... Or find traps or find the path, despite those spells being horribly terrible in, all, in almost every situation um, besides the explicit one they're designed for and even then there's some better options for you, right? That magic, I suppose, in a meta- figurative sense, I don't know, It's maybe it's not there the same way it was when I began looking into D&D and when it felt like there was this infinite sea of possibilities um, that the designer thought of every contingency and there's actually even a spell called Contingency. Um, but the idea is that magic was endless. There was any If I, anything I wanted to do as a wizard, if it was on the spell list, there was something there that I was had in my head. Like I, I wanted to play a psychic wizard who could read people's minds. Guess what? There's a spell for there's that. There's a spell for that. But it's only one spell. And there's many other spells. And so then my wizard also became a guy who did things I didn't think he was going to be able to do, like yeah. um, teleport or summon... A demon or you know other things like make a big sound with something like shatter or create illusory duplicates okay i like illusory duplicates mirror image and maybe there's times where you discover something and go Oh, that's a magical effect i didn't think i wanted but that's actually kind of cool right yeah and those are moments where i think a dictionary can be useful right keep it then get rid of the mechanic if, if you don't know how to balance spells design spells and Whatever, or find that you want to add your own, but it would be far too co- time-consuming to create a whole new system that encompasses everything from invisibility to, you know, banishment to, you know... God, I, I could go on endlessly. There are so many spells in this game, right? I mean, d to be Beyond, there's like 27 pages worth of spells. It's like impossible to, poss- you know, to create all but, of those. But at the
1: same time, like, with with we started talking about ours at uh, magica You've got five uh, of these of techniques and ten mm. forms. The combinations you get off of that, oddly, I mean, I mean, I guess that's. Just, it seems like there's maybe not that many different combos, but because they're, they can they can incorporate almost any idea, um, that you suddenly become like endless on your spectrum. Like your spectrum doesn't have like, like D and D's got a lot of little blind spots, little holes that it can't. You know, the, the rules can't, can't figure out edge case common. scenarios.
0: Because um, the it, edge case is just, it, it can't, and not every spell can describe every possible situation. You could use So it, what they right? did is they,
1: they have five techniques of creating, perceiving, transforming, destroying, or controlling. But
0: what's the difference between turning invisible? Uh, so let's say we, we transform body, right? Sure. That's what we want to do. We well, want to do muto corpus or right. whatever so, is, right? so yeah, the, just bringing the audience up to speed,
1: there's also the, the ten forms are animal effects, um... Aurum, which is like lightning, wind, gaseous substance, other weather effects. Um, aquam, which is for liquids except blood. But that's under corpus, which is the next one. Herbum, which involves plants, uh, organic matter, living or dead. Uh, ignum, which is like light and heat, uh, represents fire type stuff. Uh, imaginum, which was like images and sounds and sensory effects. Mentum, the motions, memories, thoughts, spirits. Terra, which involves earth, minerals, things from soil, ground, the earth, metals, gems, and Vim, which is power, which is kind of like involves magic itself as magic well as demons Vim, as well, know. potentially. Um, anyways, y- y- you could play around with like modifying ideas, these a little bit as well.
0: I want to, what's the, so if I were to turn invisible, I right. think the thought that goes into this that you begin to realize, and this is a, a thing I've discovered about schools as well, schools of magic is assigned to spells, is that you can kind of, get to an effect with multiple ways, right? Yeah. There are different paths, rivers down this mountain that end sure. up into the same ocean, right? Or the yeah. same lake or into the same whatever. We, we right? talked
1: about this as well. We've, we, You and I have talked before. Wouldn't it be interesting to see the same spell but how it would be different taught under two different schools of magic.
0: And the truth is kind of not that different besides maybe in flavor sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you could do healing, in my opinion, with almost any school of magic, uh, if you were to, you know, justify it different ways. I mean, abjuration people go, huh, scratching their head. But I think we've seen in the new one D&D play tests, they've made healing word and cure wounds abjuration spells. Sure. So, there's a precedent for that conjuration. You're summoning bandages. Or summon, I always have this like you know, this idea in my mind reindeer, that
1: know. that abjuration magic somehow takes away damage or energy or things from where you are right now, and then bounces it off through the weave some to some other like place, right. realm, something or else you know that you're completely unaware of, and some like strange you know pocket dimension somewhere, yeah. some creature is now just taking the damage that you abjured that everybody's like oh look at you. Or the spell you. that you just negated. It could be that it abjuration s- wizards are unbeknownst like the most evil creatures uh, out there torturing a whole race of creatures with like dropping random damage on them.
0: It yeah. um, would be funny I mean if you change something like a banishment to, instead of just being an empty blank void to send people to this weird underside <laughs> battle realm. Why do you keep torturing us this way? Abjuration sends all of the bad things away too.
1: Um, uh that's not actually canon folks you you do abduration your way but um but this like you know the idea that maybe we don't totally understand how magic works Mm. uh it's just great too um but yeah you're 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 going on to the point of like how many of these different ways can we go from technique uh and form to get to the same
0: idea same two combinations of words to do two drastically different things sure right like let's say i want to make someone bigger right i want to make my friend i want to do it in a large reduced type style right right? what would that be that might be a you know muto transform yeah body muto muto corpus boom made you just bigger right but now i also want to make you faster i don't want to make you bigger anymore i want to make you faster is that the combinations of words it's maybe the exact same because i'm still transforming sure your bower, I want you to grow wings or to grow gills or to do right. whatever. Right, And so
1: you sort of think of like there are, and again, if you know your D&D spells a bit, so at higher levels, usually above six, there's a few spells out there that wizards will cast upon themselves and make themselves like, or a party member, you know, suddenly you're like a buffed fighter. Um, like You've got all these like transformation things that happen to you. There's several different effects that kind of all kick in, but this is a pretty high level spell. Right, you're you're tapping into a powerful reserve to get all those transformations to happen to you at once. So again, on something like this, if you wanted to transform your friend bit by bit, each turn, each time you had a turn, you could cast another little effect on them, um, or. If you wanted it to all happen at once, the spell slot you'd need, or the amount of power points you want to use for it, or whatever, would be significantly higher. And especially, also, how long do you want the effect to last? Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to cost you more as well. Do you want to concentrate on it the whole time, or is it going to be a fire and forget? That's going to cost you more points too, or you know, more, more power to go into this. Sure. Those are the the things that you sort of you have to put together. And then on top of it all. The real kicker is that the dice still should get to tell part of the story. Mm. That that whether is magic
0: not very controllable or is it uncontrollable yeah. in your setting? Is and it I, something that's a wild thing you have to grapple with each time you want to try and get? A and and
1: ours, magic, definitely it is. And you and I both were looking at a couple other another system last night that mm. I came across. Um, I think we'll share the the mechanic of it because I think it's fun yes so, so it's called um push push yeah. uh push powered games that's sort of a, a new one out um the srd is out there online uh for free right now it's under a creative commons license uh but it's a and it's a very simple system 2d6 well but you're only going to roll one of them to start with roll one to start with so you roll 1d6 <laughs> and <laughs> right on the loudest thing we could roll <laughs> it on um metal dice on our, our a, ceramic, a ceramic tile nice um so you roll uh, a d6 today so this would be to in some ways i think replace replace both the saving throw system and the to the, the hit system a little bit although you know whatever you'd ha- you can p- figure out the best way to balance this for your table but the idea would be on a Uh, one, two, three, or four that you essentially get the effect on the creature as if they'd saved. Right? So it's going to be like half damage, reduced effect, things like that.
0: And you might think, well, that's two out of a three chance.
1: So know? then if you land a 5-6, you drop the bomb on the full, full effect, right. everything. But like... in
0: all, instead of... Because a lot of spells in the game do nothing if you fail, right? They're kind of all or nothing. Or in the case they do damage, they do half damage, right? But nothing else, right? We treat maybe weak success as... It still does something. I mean, it's not going to do nothing, right? Yeah. You achieve whatever you wanted to do with the spell that happens right it does it, doesn't it always it has always seemed to me uh, actually to.
1: of the one most unfair things playing a caster is you have such limited spell slots that's true right if if it misses you've lost a resource not
0: only your turn but yeah a limited if
1: resource. if the if the rogue misses their crossbow bolts i mean they yeah tough tough dms sure. will be like right. oh you have to subtract one crossbow bolt um but usually if dms who play that way also let you recover so many of them after every fight also and they're cheap let's face it you can or buy you can buy you a hundred of them
0: dagger that'll never break or
1: that or the the fighter swinging the sword no no limit nobody ever counts how many hits this until the sword's dull mm-hmm. but the poor wizard he's uh, you know especially at lower levels like, uh, yeah, like I, got f- I got of i got i got four it. rounds yeah. of attacks and after that i'm using press digitization on can him
0: understand why this is because is we feel magic is probably more powerful than a sword
1: yeah, and then it just up the damage the sword does. I don't know. No,
0: but no but we like we like the you know player fantasy that there are swords and then there's magic and yeah, magic yeah. is po- more powerful than something a blacksmith we can the more stuff than more powerful than stuff we do in real life cuz in real life you can do a sword, and they can swing a sword, and right. it's pretty powerful. But magic is something you can't do in real life. And but fine, it must you be still
1: get—you still only get four spell slots.
0: Exactly, but then that way the limitation is what comes in to make it feel. So like there's a now that's
1: of this, That's not to say that we still this system does away with the ability mm. for it to go terribly wrong. In fact, this system makes the gambling even more fun. Right, because
0: if you're looking at this point, well, it sounds like it's just gonna happen no matter what. Yeah, so you're saying one to four, it hits, and then five to six, it really hits. It really hits, But what
1: happens if you get a seven? And you're like, wait, how do I get a seven?
0: Well, you've rolled your first die, and now you have a one in three chance of getting five or six, which is what you want, but it's not an immense chance.
1: This is where the second die comes in. Now, you can decide you wanna roll the second dice and boost that low number maybe to a five or a six, but it's a bit like blackjack now. If you go over the six, if you seven or higher, you bust. Yeah. Now bust can just simply be spell fizzles. Or if you're dealing with really potent magic, especially if you decided that you were going to be like putting a whole lot of points into this thing, then you could have a mechanism for kickbacks or for some sort of malfunction or some sort of mm. thing that happens uh, to your wizard uh, if the spell blows up the in your spell face. The spell blows up if they push too hard.
0: Or if it does the exact exact opposite thing you wanted it to do. Yeah. You wanted it to give your friends wings. It's, you know, locked them to the ground or it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, that was my hard, maybe hard example. But you just imagine the opposite effect of what you want to happen, right? Um, like you wanted to shoot a big burst of flames and now you just get blast of ice or even fire in your own face, right? Yeah.
1: Um, and, and you can have you know fail by degrees on this sure uh maybe a seven's not so bad but they had a four and then they rolled a six now it's a 10 that could be really bad
0: the higher the worse it is yeah yeah
1: well i mean a, a, a seven might just fizzle but a 10 there might be actual like damage that the wizard takes from it or some sort of that, scarring fingers or the, the, the um, whole narrative or, of
0: greed biting you in the butt that's that's important to me I think yeah well I, I think this is just system. this is
1: what D D at its very best is is there's always this risk reward with the dice that are telling the story and as a player that's where your agency comes in you have to you're saying yeah let it ride baby i'm feeling lucky tonight let's mm. do this and then it doesn't go that way and hopefully you can just laugh at yourself at that point because mm. you're like yep I asked
0: for it, didn't I? There's nothing quite um, like that in D and D, which I think is really interesting. Right? Is the idea that you've rolled a die, mm. and it's okay. You know, you could stop right now, mm. and you know, have a middling success, or roll another d20, try again, push your luck, go farther. You know, um, and that risk is there. Right? There's yeah. nothing quite like that where you've you you know you've swung with your sword and you're gonna hit the enemy. But you could try and roll to see if you get a crit or not or if it goes terribly wrong. Like That doesn't exist. That's not a real thing, which is really interesting to me.
1: And I I like this idea with this system, too, that um, there's somebody expanded on it a little bit. I'm trying to find their stuff. Um, I don't have their name, which I wish I did. Uh, The idea was that you could, um, if you had sort of magical... um, the idea of like what if you had some sort of emulator talisman or some sort of magical thing that would uh, or maybe even if you go up higher enough in levels Mm. that you gain plus one to that super success zone so it goes five six seven Mm. at that point and you become a very successful sort of wizard if you don't bust until you hit eight um you'd be trying a lot You'd you'd be going for it a lot more and you'd be doing a lot more Full effect of your spells. Um, but then there could be situations or conditions, again, maybe like exhaustion or things like that, that suddenly then pull that back down or limit it more in some way. I don't know. You could have some fun with playing around with these roles and using the D6s. I mean, it's a very tightly bounded thing, but what if you want to use D8s instead? What if you want to use D10s? Sure. i mean, D20s. Why not? I mean, why not? Like, you just have to figure out where you're.
0: Where the little sweet spot is, right? Yeah. And
1: uh, anything over that in your... Under the sweet spot. Middling success. Over the sweet spot. And it sort of changes up dice that dice roll. And I know mm. we, we were actually talking about maybe doing dice roll as another whole thing. But I think there's some... F- like breaking away from the pure strict D20, uh, you know, where 20s are awesome and ones suck. Mm. Um, getting away from that as your only test in D&D is also kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and maybe magic's a, a place where you can you can play with that a little bit, since you're not typically up against an armor class system with it. Um, and again, it has to you have to also then also ask yourself, well, you know, what about character? Things that are designed to have really great saves and really great this and really great that. And how has that sort of negated this or you know all this effort I've gone to push my spellcasting bonus up? And you know, there are some mechanics of the game that obviously we are we are kind of leaving in the dust if we if we adopt a different system mm-hmm. like this but um but maybe that's okay yeah
0: maybe it's it's you know reconsider the parts of the magic system that you find interesting is it the idea of this you know i i run counter spells as a duel right when you think about that classic harry potter the two little magic beams bouncing against each other right what yeah. spell are they casting that doesn't exist in D D for sure two people shooting little lightning beams at each other and then going Arr! one lightning beam of one color gets slightly closer to the other guy he's losing the tug of war match you know um and that they're again maybe magic is a bit like this tug of war every time one person casts a spell another person can react and do that classic sort of back and forth, like trying to see who you know who wins the tug of war match, right? Uh, and that's how I run my counter spells.
1: Yeah, why not have contested magic? I mean, the way that people do grappling or sure. whatever, you know, it's.
0: I mean, sometimes you just want magic to work. I, I yeah. can see it being frustrating every time, but against other mages against other people who are seeing magic i'm sure the wizard or the sorcerer or whoever would feel cool the second that they can go "Ah," whatever like that dramatic moment of holding back the enemy's offenses with their own magic as well or finding that you know clever counter to whatever the you know you're raising the dead while i'm casting Uh, a healing ceremony that's you know pushes away
1: undead. and Sure, and I, I, liked, know, whatever, I always right. liked a little bit of- um,
0: Reminds me of first edition reverse casting.
1: Yeah, Doc, Doctor Strange when he does, he starts a spell with one somatic component and it's right. maybe not holding the creature enough and with his other hand, he suddenly starts to spin up another somatic component that bolsters an ongoing spell. Mm. And this idea is, well, maybe if you've got magic, especially if you're dueling and it's sort of going more than one round, that this thing's back and forth each round you shift the nature you're, of the spell. yeah you're, you're trying to add something mid-battle. you're adding new words mm-hmm. into the into the phrase and so they've got a counter with other sort of words and and yeah so again we, we what we're creating at the table hopefully is entertaining in that you have a magical story unfolding partly cho- with uh, options that the player has agency to choose uh with dice that help tell the story, but also maybe a little agency on the player who can take a gamble and decide whether they want to try and push that to the edge to win or possibly Boston and lose. And, you know, suddenly we have, we have a night of gaming at the table now where magic is so much different, so much more interesting than the typical, like, okay, well, I chuck must magic missiles at them.
0: Mm. I roll one D four multiply by three and we're done. Right which can get, I mean, it, it happens with swords, too. It happens with every kind of weapon or every kind of way that players, you know, the tools that players have to interact with things. And skill checks, I think we try and keep flavorful, or at least I, maybe I'm assuming we do, Like right? When someone says, I want to do this, I say, make an athletics check, they say, okay, you know, let's climb the wall, you know? And this is something that can go wrong, not just something that I'm putting a skill check in front of for no reason. Um, there's a dramatic description I give, which sometimes can be lost in the arduousness of battle, right? Which combat magic is only one side of magic. There is also magic outside of things in which someone, I mean, spells like legend lore or divination or speak with dead, um, are very evocative spells in the way that they force you to role play in, in a kind of sense, right? Or, I mean, augury, you can kind of be lazy and just say wheel or woe, or I guess divination, even commune, you can just go, yes, no, yes. Right. If you wanted to really sap all the life out of it. But these are spells where we're communing with gods and, you know, things like it should feel like, you know, or even maybe eldritch beings that don't communicate ideas in the way we think they should. Um, Which I I think is is a very fun way to run divination. Um, But again, think about this in terms of other schools of magic as well. How do you, you know, flavor the fireball? Because it could just be spontaneous. Yeah. It could be something you craft in your hands that sure. lob through the air and then it, whoosh,
1: whoosh. well like this this brings up another right. idea that i quite like um which could add a quick flavor if you're not into the like, whole scale revamping of it sure. i like the idea of channeling magic yeah okay. it's a very simple add-on for 5e where you basically if if you take longer to cast the spell the normal right so say it's a one action to cast type spell mm. So what you're going to do now is you're going to take two actions. Well,
0: that's one. I'll, I'll offer an alternative in a second, but I want you to continue. But the idea is so
1: right? that we're doing two turns before we launch this. So we've got a whole round that we're basically in a concentration type state of building up power to release the spell. Every round you concentrate for can increase the effect of the spell. And it could be increased either in terms of damage, area. uh, Maybe, uh, you know, if it's like you could have it so branches and touch the different branch of creatures. I mean, there's a number depending how what spell it is. You somehow have bolstered the effect, uh, the effect, or maybe the duration of it as well. Sure. Um, And and outside of combat, of course, that that. Mm, It could get a little wonky but this works great in a combat scenario where there's again a risk reward Mm -hmm. payoff like am i going to like risk getting hit and losing my concentration on this or am i going to gamble and go one more round and then release this fireball and it's going
0: to be a monster it's going to be huge i like that idea a lot and i've actually written a similar idea i didn't do it the way same way you did and i think it's because there's a couple common criticisms or potential i mean you I, i think it is a risk but it's Maybe a bit too much of a risk, especially in a game where rounds can last half an hour <laughs> or even yeah. even ten minutes before you what last are, thought. What are you? What's the wizard balance.
1: doing? He's sitting there like at the table, and it comes round to his turn. I'm just, I'm just brewing <laughs> up the she fireball. Turned. I and just, just that, like seeing it in my hands, sure. it's getting hotter right. and hotter. That problem okay.
0: described of things going wrong and nothing really happening, you feeling like you've wasted your whole turn and a limited resource. Yeah. Now you've Wasted two of your precious, maybe three, four rounds of combat that yeah. combat will be because combat really will, will not be more than three, four, five rounds of combat. Yeah. So if you spend, and if, two it, and it, and if it is, it that well, could
1: still be like 45 minutes of your gameplay time or hours of, a night. of gameplay time it, it, depending where you're spell sitting. Out.
0: And if it's an action every time and your if you're turn playing is playing a that, very round long combat, it could it, it becomes an exhausting almost let me just cast a spell now. And, and then why didn't I just cast a spell twice to save myself a spell slot? You know, I could have done twice as much damage. By casting the same spell twice, but instead I spent two turns charging one spell for that spell to be maybe a little bit more powerful. And then in order to balance it, it needs to be essentially doubling in strength for the cost of one spell slot, which maybe it was worth it for waiting two turns, but I don't want to play a waiting simulator, you know? I wanna, I want want. to. We want that intensity, we want the drama, right? And so the way I did that, or I tried to do that, I guess it's an attempt, was instead of it costing an action every time to charge it, casting it only costs an action right you've begun charging it as your action on that one turn right and so there's still an investment there it doesn't go off right away and you're concentrating on it right maybe you can concentrate on a spell you've already cast and begin charging maybe charging it's, its own thing but i like the idea again that damage can break it or that you can't charge more than one thing at a time i like that idea and yeah. concentration is an elegant representation of that idea yeah. right then you don't need actions on following turns to charge it. It just automatically at the start of your next turn charges again. So you can use your action to dodge, to run around, sure. to run around, uh, do whatever. But this isn't. This, you don't even need to wait until the start of your next turn. At any time, you don't need to ready it. You know you're doing at any time you whoo, release it reaction, right? because at this point you're not waiting for a trigger it's just the second you put your hands off this pressure cooker this thing is flying out right so you
1: can use your reaction at any time at
0: any time to release your spell on
1: anybody's turn
0: but if you don't wait at least one whole round you're just gonna cast a spell yeah and you're casting what would have usually just been one action now as an action and your reaction right yeah but what it does mean is that you can begin charging start of your turn happens boom release it then guess what? You begin charging another spell. And at the start of your next turn, boom, release it, right? Sure. And you're a little bit behind. You're delayed maybe up until well, th- everything up until sure. that second but it, round.
1: But you have also had new, have a new option because you don't
0: have to wait to your
1: turn to do it. If things oh, are moving yeah, around on the board, if suddenly, things are changing, it's something you're like, oh, I'm going to release it now.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of cool as well. That's yeah, what you couldn't do before. Yeah, right? it's At least very it's dynamic. Readying it's, something. Yeah,
1: it's very dynamic this way.
0: And it's like a readying spell, but there's an extra benefit because yeah. if you ready it for long enough, it starts to get stronger.
1: And this is, yeah, this is I think how we evolved the channeling idea into something. Um,
0: yeah, get rid of readying spells completely. It, yeah. that is just charging a spell. that's yeah. what you were doing. You are waiting until a spell is just at the opportune moment where you'll get the most benefit out of it and it turns out that the longer you do that the more these powers begin to coalesce um i think is a very fun idea for sure and And you you can let this run for multiple rounds
1: and you can use you could use this with the this the ars magica type system that we were talking about as well you can the idea that i'm going to bring whatever this effect in that i want and then mechanically you have it still based on a a turn-based system where you're letting it build and the effect of it it's going to increase or whatever and the dm can sort of see the risk and reward sort of payoff that you get with that as well yeah. um and i think that's that can be like a really way to make your wizards look really cool um, oh, sure. or any spell casters it doesn't have to always be wizards we are and, kind and, of and there is one thing if, you, if you're delay, charging it
0: for a while and then you release it it could just be an upcasting style thing maybe you yeah, just yeah. treat it as one level higher for each one or like you said special benefits and that's the way i sort of wrote up you know my own you know druid for a different system i I had it so that it was things like more damage dice or increased damage dice size or um increased critical hit range if it's an attack or an increased save dc or multiple targets increased range all these metamagic style concepts that we associate with sorcerer Instead of having that just be its own limited resource, it's tied to taking a bit of a risk. It's tied to being a little bit more considerate with how you want to build your magic, Um, which I think almost anyone can kind of get behind. Uh, If you've played a caster, I think that idea is almost immediately appealing. It is to me, at least.
1: There's a 5e setting I came across, um, which has got a slightly different um, magic system. And part of the reason I'm doing this is for my own um, 5e setting, nebula of madness mm-hmm. i'm also am introducing channeling ideas formula magic a bunch of different spells or sure. things like that and so i'm i'm looking myself at like how do i how do i do this system so that we got kind of different magic new magic magic that's got a different vibe to it um and i like these guys because they've got um it's called the world of uh Ita- i'm gonna try this pronunciation again ataltus ataltus I've never heard this spoken. It's A E T A L T I S Italtis.
0: I think. A-taltis.
1: Uh world of Italtis. Um They had a Kickstarter a year or so back. They got a bunch of books out coming out for this. It looks really cool. Uh, artwork and things looks great. Um, but they've got their system of magic is called glyph magic in it, uh, which is a point based Arcana spell casting. They say that you draw on the power of ley lines. Charge your essence stones and cast spells directly from newly, newly recovered spell books. But beware, roll a one, any face potential, disaster, and catastrophic spell failure, mm. right? So again, we've got spell failure options in the system, which I think is, uh, you know, that seems to be a bit of a trend. Um, and I, I can see why. I think if you're going to boost, boost the top end of what you can do with spells, it needs to come with that risk. Yeah. There's an extra sort of like, you know, trade off to that. Um, so Glyph Magic uh, is a point system. It limits the number of spells you can cast by giving you a pool of points. Um, and this isn't new to D&D. We've, like, so we've talked about this in the past. Each spell uh, has a spell point cost to cast. And when you are out of spell points, casting additional spells becomes extremely difficult. Spell points in these rules are called essence points because they are used for more than just spells. Okay. Uh, now they say you have you need no memorization, An arcane spellcaster does not need to memorize spells in advance as long as the spell's been transcribed into their spellbook, and they have enough essence points, they can try to cast it. Cool. Um, so a bit like a, I suppose a bit like a, a druid or a, a cleric, except that you don't still have. They need to choose from they the have spell to list which ones they want. Yeah, for the day, which is interesting, as the idea that you can have this whole big—you don't have to prep for the day. You could have anything from your spellbook until you're out of spells. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Um,
0: until you're out of juice. So, skill
1: yeah. roll reflects the complexity of casting arcane spells. Casting a spell with a glyph magic requires a spell casting check. This roll doubles as an attack roll when necessary. This DC to resist uh, spell effects is calculated as described in the standard 5th edition spell casting rules. Uh, I like they, they've, they've got a point here where they say recovery is constant. That arcane spellcasters recover set number of essence points each hour. Rest is not required to recover essence points. Hmm. That's kind of interesting as well. Slight Let's little see. change. Um, no spell level limit. There's no limit on the level of spell you may try to cast. Uh, there's only a, a limit
0: um, of how safely you can do so. Right. Um, or you could have it. So essence isn't even, I mean, it's essence is how safe magic is, right? If you want to do a very much so yeah. magic happening all the time. I mean, I like this idea a lot. Um, so the
1: idea you could try in theory, if you come across a ninth level spell and your first level wizard, you're like, woohoo, hot diggity, let's give this a go. But your DC is going to be so hard on it. And maybe the essence cost on it, it's going to be quite costly. Chances are that you're, it's going to drain you of essence and blow up in your face, hmm. but you're a first level wizard that sounds right
0: yeah sure
1: or maybe get freaking lucky right and you pull that baby off you look at me i'm a super caster
0: the idea that again a lot of essence maybe you don't have much essence right i think instead of it being a if you don't have this you can't try it what if it's a if you don't have this it's ridiculously unsafe and will probably take from i mean there's that whole trope of it costing your your lifespan you know or some kind of yeah or your, you know, your arm is now blackened your, and your body and, or your yeah. soul or whatever it does right that if you don't have this protective essence almost like a blacksmith dips their sure. hand in water before they you yeah. know you know touch the hot iron because it gives them this almost layer of protection. the split second that second of, split second of whatever right again as a general metaphor for this idea of a substance that protects us from the corrupting, dangerous, yeah. you know, backfiring, you know, wild, chaotic nature of this, of this mystical thing we're touching. Right.
1: Mm. So, yeah, I, I, look, there's there's also plenty of tropes out there of wizards who have tried forbidden spells and been killed by them. Mm. Um, or turned the into whole. Something dark, a I mean, fate worse L- than death. Lolth's whole ascension thing, and all the people have followed her and tried to do it. I mean, she was essentially a drow wizard who just got really lucky with a massive spell and managed to to be- ascend or to like godhood the Raven with Queen it. In critical role, right? Um, or is it? Yes, yeah, the Raven Queen did it. Oh, I'm in critical it. role. It's the Raven Queen. Oh yeah, maybe I'm right about that. Maybe like, lolth is Lothal. just
0: an ancient demon.
1: Or maybe it is the Raven Queen in in Five E that's done that as well. Yes, actually. I'm, it's so says yeah into the shadow, but she became like the it's sort of like the shadow fell that yeah. she got to, which isn't like it, it isn't really she did that, it isn't really outer planes godliness. It's in, sort of in inner planes godliness, which is
0: Matt Mercer's Exandria, the Raven Queen does use some sort of ritual of ascension to become a god and strike the old god of death out of out yeah, of existence. Maybe, was,
1: maybe yeah, I'm sorry, sorry listeners. Yes, it's my Old man brain, a bit confused <laughs> on this one. This is why we do this together. That's um, right. Jack can sort of sort, sort out my lore. Um, I should know these things. Oh, oh, yes, but that's the idea. Still, I, I, I understand. Raven Queen, mm. still the idea that there was a, a mortal wizard who she cast, managed to cast her way into godliness. Right. Um, and it, there's no way in the current 5e spell system there's any spell there to do that. But the lore supports that it's there. So or there's like
0: some old second edition, like, maybe become um, icon, avatar, whatever. That, I, that's actually in the lore as well. There were floating cities. This guy wanted to become the new god of magic. So he cast a spell. It worked. He became the avatar god of magic. But in the split second where the old one died and before he became the new one, everything fell apart. Or yeah. All the cities fell from the sky. Because there was no magic well, for we, just a second. We,
1: we still carry forward all these, these you know, Gygaxian names on spells to this sure. day and you know our spell our dm's guide still gives us like oh hey you know that you can come up with your own spells right and i don't know we just don't have a lot i don't see a lot of a lot of tables a lot of players going as far as making their own spells which is again why i think more than ever we need to encourage a system that isn't so tied into writing down very specifics of a spell but rather encouraging players at the time to even like in a moment like that spontaneously alter and change a spell's kind of nature or effect mm. in some way at a small cost or a at risk reward type situation or something
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean all these ideas and more i think absolutely i i am in an- you know, and even like beyond this, the thing you go to world building, right? And you think about how do you explain how magic works? Is it a weave like force like gravity? Is it a chaotic force like entropy? Is it a, sure. you know, is it a what matters being? Your, is it a god? How does this is it matter a,
1: to your, your world story? That, is my, it
0: inherent in everyone? Is it tied to the essence of life?
1: My nebula of madness idea was that, you know, most magic comes from the weave uh, or from divine powers. At, but there is this idea of far realm magic. And if you're playing in a scenario that's been bent closer to the far realm, that suddenly this mm. different, very different type of magical energy is now also available to draw from. And this is a fun um, thing to
0: sort of grapple with. But then you have to think, OK, well, what does it mean for my players who are playing at the table? What does it mean for their? Because you can write up this crazy great magic system. But if you're just going to use 5e's magic system as the you know, bones for how people actually interact and interface with it, then Then, you're back back to using the weave again, right? Besides the flavor, I mean, and that's the daunting thing that I think prevents people from going that next length to reimagine how magic can work because there are dozens of systems or or even novels or books that describe magic in ways that are not the weave that are also equally cool. Um, But playing that, and the beautiful thing about RPGs is that as a player, as a DM, as a whoever, you get to... B, you get to experience this magic system. Sure. You get to be the one who does stuff with it, right? Even if it's just you're, you're pretending with your friends for a little there's while. A, but there's, like,
1: there's one more really there's that, one one more that I've, I'm introducing in mine as well, this idea of a formula spell that actually anybody can help sort of cast. Right. Um, and it works a bit like siege equipment sort of works you know like where like to fire a catapult it requires like four actions right where some right. one action to load one action to aim whatever so you need like a bunch of you as a crew if you're going to fire it in one round all working together on your turns to perform each of the actions well formula spells the same idea that it would take depending on the complexity of what the formula does it may take 3 or 4 or 5 actions to complete And that for one caster, that's, you're right, that could be the duration of an entire combat to finally get that thing to work. Or if you have a few of you working together, you could get that done in one or two rounds and bring off this sort of cool big effect. Um, And I think just that adds a whole nother sort of Mm. way to bring magic into the game um, and allow other characters who are, maybe not so magical to participate in it, it at some level as well, like to perform more of the easier tasks that have got a lower DC or something for them to have to like roll and to do to make it, to make it work. So just different ways that you can bring, you know, different types of magic and get different characters involved in magic.
0: Yeah. Um, Cause if you've, again, running a system where there's marshals and casters, then, if you're giving so much love to magic, which it also seems the designers of Five E love to do, then it can naturally feel like marshals don't get enough love, right? Yeah. Um, which is also something you have to consider. Um, we could keep talking about this for hours, but um,
1: we've already been talking for two hours.
0: We've been going for no, I think just an hour and ten minutes. I think Logic does a thing where it gives you an hour in the can already. So, um, but hope you've enjoyed this episode. I have. I have. We have both enjoyed this. And if you have, ready if you have
1: other magical ideas out there, write us. Tell us about them. Ready to write? Um, create a clone. We're ready. To, we simulate. We're looking for. We're looking for new new lichdom. things to add to our spell books right now.
0: That's right. I'm I'm looking for lichdom, so I don't become old man brain like you. Yeah, it, lich lichdom's underrated. It's arch lichdom. You're right. All right. See you later, folks. Bye bye.